Welcome to podcast number 56 on March 23rd of 2022. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. I am the author for four investment books. Today, we will first answer five questions I've received in the last week, and then I will complete the reading of chapter three of my latest book, American High Dividend Handbook. Question number one. Can money buy happiness? Being poor sucks. Well, happiness is a relative thing. Having easy access to several millions of invested, saved dollars doesn't necessarily make you happy. But it sure takes away the pain of sudden, unexpected financial demands and disasters like car breakdowns, illness, tax demands, unemployment, retirement, accidents, and so on. Being forced to go into debt to cope with the sudden negative need for money causes long-term stress. Those who have had disposable income and used it in the thoughtless pursuit of immediate pleasures and empty luxuries that they think will make them happy, soon understand the truth of the old saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. You will either learn the discipline of managing your money carefully, no matter how much it is, or you lose it and suffer the stresses and pain of insolvency. Thus, while money can at best buy a few fleeting moments of happiness, the true key to having a cushion of money is its ability to avoid sudden, unexpected pain. Question number two. Is it the hope that other investors will eventually join them and invest in speculative companies who they hope will eventually be profitable and drive the share price up? If you invest only in financially strong, profitable companies, there is no hope involved. A speculator's view of why people invest is rather narrow. The only way I found to guarantee I will make money, for example, 500% gain in 18 years while living on a six-figure investment income, is by investing with the intention of never selling 20 financially strong stocks paying high dividends that have shown ever-increasing share price and increases and ever-increasing dividend payments. Even during the market crashes, such stocks remain financially strong, even though their share price may drop by 50% before they eventually rebound to new record highs. You live off your dividends during the market crash, which means you are never forced to sell to survive. Speculators only control prices. The executives of companies make revenue and expense decisions, which control 
profits. From profits come dividends. Profits are 95% predictable. Predicting share prices is futile. This could easily be proven by looking at historical share price and dividend payouts. Question number three. Why aren't all investors buy and hold forever investors like Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett is as far from an impulsive speculator as you're going to get. He spends most of every day researching stocks, carefully weighing where best to safely invest in stocks with the greatest potential for income and capital gain. He is not a get-rich-quick investor. He is already rich and knows that time is on his side. Most investors are speculators who think the objective of investing is to buy at the lowest price and sell at the highest price as soon as possible so they can invest the profits in other low-priced stocks. Unfortunately, they never quite get the timing right and most lose money. The investment industry encourages this type of investing with its constant hype of instant millionaires. If investors did the same through research and put as much thought into their investment choices as Warren Buffett does, they too would not worry about making a quick buck. However, they lack the cold, objective, clinical approach to investing that comes naturally to Buffett. Most investors buy stocks emotionally. For example, fear of missing out on the next great thing. Most do not have a clue how to identify a good investment opportunity and have little interest in learning how to methodically sort stocks by potential long-term return from the best to the worst. This is why I built stock scoring software to help me pick the financially strongest stocks paying the highest dividends and I supply that software with my books. Question number four. What is the importance of public opinion in picking stocks? Public opinion is irrelevant to the trading of stocks in a stock market. The purpose of a stock market is to make money. You can only make money selling a stock Otherwise, it just sits there as a computer record of ownership and a ledger. In order to sell the stocks, you must find someone willing to buy the stock. To buy the stock, an optimist must believe the stock is going to increase in value. To sell a stock, a pessimist must believe the stock is not going to increase in value. A stock market is only an auction vehicle that allows optimists and pessimists to communicate and complete a trade of their conflicting opinions. Public opinion is irrelevant to the trade because the interpretation of public opinion is either irrelevant 
or influences the pessimist seller and the optimist buyer equally, which makes it neutral. Thus, trying to match public opinion to stock market transactions would be futile. Question number five. To realize a profit in the stock market, do you have to sell the stock? I have lived very well off my portfolio for 18 years as I watched it grow by 500% without ever having to sell in order to cash out. If you think you must sell your stocks to cash out, then you are approaching investing as a speculator. Usually, a speculator thinks that they can spot a diamond in the rough, that they will buy for a very low price and become rich when it soars mightily in price. Unfortunately, such diamonds in the rough are cheap because they have no profits, they have not established a large customer base, they have an inexperienced management team, and so on. The odds of you ever making money are slim. If you want to see your portfolio grow mightily over several decades, invest in financially strong companies paying high dividends. Dividends are derived from the revenue and expense decisions made by the executives of a company that result in profits. From profits come dividends. You can easily see established patterns of ever-increasing share prices and dividend payments going back for decades. These patterns are 95% destined to be repeated for years to come. During the inevitable market crashes, when all stocks decrease by 50% or more until they recover to new highs, you live off your dividend income as you would normally do. You never want to be in a position that you must sell a stock to survive. The only time I sell a stock is when its score drops below 50 while at the same time its dividend yield percent drops below 5%. Why speculate if you do not need to? For safe diversity, you identify the 20 financially strongest, best dividend payers and sort them by score. You invest in the strongest one first and keep adding them to your portfolio and descending score sequence. I now continue reading from Chapter 3 of the American High Dividend Handbook. The dividend yield number is obviously important to dividend investors. A 3.5% dividend yield was one of the main selectors used to extract stocks for your consideration in this book. In the chart, Sorting All Stocks by Dividend Percent in Chapter 7, you will see those stocks paying very high dividends usually score poorly. The sweet spot to look for are stocks paying dividends between 5% and 8%. Such companies have profits that allow them to not only pay 
generous dividends, but have enough excess capital to invest in strengthening their companies. This provides for the constant rising sales, profits, and dividend payments. Many strong dividend-paying companies invest 60% of their profits in growth and 40% in dividend payments. Dividends are paid to attract new investors and to encourage existing investors to not sell their shares. Stockholders are sharing in the success of the company. Dividend companies send a message that we are a strong company who can afford to pay dividends and intend to be here for decades to come. A stock's book value is an accounting calculation. It has little to do with market value of the company or its liquidation value if it were to go bankrupt. Certified accountants calculate asset values and liability values to arrive at this figure. Ideally, as an investor, you like to see a share price close to the book value. This close relationship between the share price and the book value is unusual, but it does happen. You may be paying only $8 for a stock that has a book value of $10 a stock. This not only indicates you're getting a bargain, but it is a sign that the share price will increase. You will often see speculative stocks with a share price of $300 and a book value of perhaps only $30. This is usually an indication that the stock is overpriced. The odds of such a stock maintaining this high price for long are not good. Sometimes the book value can be very negative amount, which makes you wonder why anyone would invest in it. The book value, like any accounting calculation, is a historical figure. The fortunes of some companies can change rapidly. That is why book value is only one of 11 factors impacting a company's total score. Price to earnings is another important ratio. My interpretation of it is that it is telling me how many years of earnings it would take to repay the amount of money I have invested in the purchase of this stock. I would like the number be as small as possible. It is startling to see speculators investing in companies with a price to earnings of 300 to 1, or in some cases, 3,000 to 1. An average acceptable price to earnings would be in the 5.1 to the 25.1 range. If the company has no earnings, then a zero will appear, or even a negative figure. I have seen negative price-to-earning ratios in the thousands, which makes you wonder about who would consider buying such a stock. The operating margin is probably the most important figure used in calculating a stock score. Dividends are paid out of the operating margin. The operating margin is calculated by subtracting the expense to generate the company's sales from the sales and displaying the figure as a percent of the revenues. 
I have seen real estate investment trusts with operating margins exceeding 80%. Such high margins allow them to pay high dividends. I've also seen companies who were losing money with negative operating margins, who would not only be not be paying dividends, but would be an indicator that the company has a serious problem. Ideally, you would want to add stocks to your portfolio with operating margins exceeding 20%. However, there are exceptions. A few industries traditionally operate with margins of less than 20%. Therefore, when considering stocks with lower operating margins, check the operating margins of other companies in the same industry to see if the operating margin of the stock you are considering is an exception. You also want to see the operating margin accompanied by a long history of increasing share prices and dividend payments. Things are neither great nor small except by comparison. It is important to compare the operating margins of prospective companies in the same industry to find the best ones. The next chapter shows you how the information from the overview screen is used to calculate a score. It will allow you to sort any collection of stocks from the best to worst. So next week we will start reading from chapter 4. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.